you want to ditch feature dumping, build trust and earn the opportunity to become your prospect's trusted guide, then say hello to the Influential Communicator newsletter. Now, listen, my friend, my intention is clear because with one actionable weekly email keyword actionable my goal is to transform you into a captivating storyteller communicator and presenter so if this is a bit of you then head on down to www.theinfluentialcommunicator.com to register now and by the way if you do sign up know that you'll also receive my free guide on how to craft a punchy and high converting elevator story i'll see you on the other side Welcome to the Influential Communicator Podcast, where my mission is to help B2B salespeople sell more by becoming authentic storytellers and impactful communicators without suppressing who they truly are or their values. I'm your host, Ravi Rajani, and without further wait, let's get into it. Imagine leaving your home country and heading to the UK without being able to speak a word of English. My next guest landed in London, washed dishes to pay the bills and studied English in the evenings. And eventually he landed his first ever role in sales. And year after year, he was experiencing explosive growth. This dude was crushing it until one day, anxiety and depression left him feeling like he'd been hit by a truck. The problem was, was in his environment at the time, he was taught that vulnerability, well, it didn't belong in sales. And he started desperately searching for a way to feel more than his quota, all secretly, by the way, all behind closed doors. And Federico Prasici stumbled upon a coach, a mentor, a guide, Yoda, basically, who introduced him to a little something, something called mindfulness. And the rest is history, people. He pumped up his mental fitness and his sales performance, well, he skyrocketed. And today, Federico is the global sales enablement manager over at GoCardless. And he believes in one thing, people, in the elevation of sales professionals by focusing on the human being behind seller. And today he's joined me to talk to us about how to unlock the power of mindful selling. Dude, welcome to the show, man. What's good? Thank you, Ravi. Uh, that was a great introduction for sure. I think it's uh, probably very pictures my story very well in a few words. Uh, so yeah, thank you for having me. No worries, brother. No worries, man. And speaking of your story, what's one part of your story that I didn't touch upon that we need more context on to get a better understanding of who you are today? As in anything, you know, often in stories, you have to be, you know, you try to get that within a certain amount of words. You don't want to make it too long. You know, it might seem like, oh, things happen, I guess, in, uh, you know, all of a sudden. I think in anything, right? So when it comes to the period of, you know, uh, I guess doing well in sales and then in starting to feel that, you know, mental health was deteriorating, that something that doesn't happen all of a sudden right, as well. So it's something that happened over time. And I guess the other piece is also like even, but from that, actually, the way you face it and the way you deal with the challenges as well, you know, it, it's not something that happened, uh, you know, in uh, all of a sudden in, in one go. So as being, you know, first meeting the right people, you know, meeting a coach that likely introduced me to something that that moment was the right thing. And then for me, there was a lot of work in terms of 
understanding more, educating myself, which is something that, you know, uh, coming from the south of Italy, we know very, you know, mental health is it's not even spoken at all. It's not something that is definitely as developed as it is here. So for me, it was quite a new uh, experience, a new, you know, new new world for me. Um, so I think that's, that's important to know for people in general that might be, you know, in a, in a sales role, they may be struggling for some reason, you know, it might be challenging. So yeah, I think it's important to highlight that to, to, to anyone that reads or listens to this. And dude, it's funny because I'm a big believer of the quote that life is happening for you, not to you. So it's funny because if you hadn't gone through that experience with that toxic sales leader, you would have probably never been doing what you're doing today. So in a weird, weird way, in a messed up way, that was a gift. That was a gift. But if we could take it back, okay, if we were to rewind to that specific moment where you first consciously started feeling anxious and depressed every single day, experiencing the Sunday scaries before work, all of that, all of that stuff that at that time was really holding you back. When it comes to approaching your manager about how you were feeling, what would you have done differently? Because I I think a lot of sellers secretly struggle with vulnerability with their leader because they're worried about being perceived as weak. Yeah, no, that's that's an interesting question. If I have to think deeply in that situation, first, I can definitely say generally that the environment wasn't very conducive uh, to that. Uh, process in the first place, right? So it's not something that we should always take on us. Uh, I think it's uh, it's a two-way street. Uh, And of course, there are actually situations where the culture just doesn't allow for that. So that situation is more about leaving the environment you're in. So I think it's very important to understand this and and be strong enough to then make a change uh, in, in that direction. However, let's assume that we are in a situation where perhaps we can do something with it. I think being what I would have done differently potentially is like just being more assertive around my, you know, what I need uh, in order to succeed and really make it clear that, you know, you are, as long as you showcase your attitude to the fact that you want to, you know, eat your number, do extremely well in your role. However, the current situation doesn't allow you to do that because X, Y, and Z is the right conversation to have because it demonstrates that ultimately your intention and your objective is to get to that. However, you recognize that there are things that are causing you to feel in a certain way and to, you know, and therefore you might need a different interaction or a different way of working in some, in some situation that will enable you to deal with that. And if it requires that, you might have to ask, you know, for maybe a few days just to kind of reset yourself and agree on, on a path forward with your manager. I think it's, it's something that should be done. At that point, I probably wasn't as assertive as I could have been in terms of really highlighting my uh, my needs from an emotional perspective because that's the the hard bit right so i think often we we try and go you know add a direction to try and avoid that conversation but often makes things a lot harder uh, for us right because we keep things in uh, we don't have a chance to you know to be authentic in their interactions with our managers and it's something again it comes as to us and being assertive uh, when necessary but also comes to the manager themselves as well being understanding enough to uh, to, you know, to have a productive conversation. So when it comes to being assertive, but also being warm and being able to take both viewpoints into consideration, could you walk us through a script of how somebody can communicate how they're feeling emotionally and the path moving forward? Could you like, I don't know if you'd want to do a role play, but if I'm like, hey, Federico, 
what's going on, bro? What's going on in your mind? Like, what would you, what would you say back? Yeah, it's, it's uh, I think what I, so what I would say is about like, uh, on the, on the line of, you know, uh, I've been of the last, you know, six, 12 months, I've been, uh, you know, eating my, this, this level of performance. And I think the, the things that have got me there has been, you know, X, Y, uh, and Z. So what I've been, uh, however, what I've been recently, recently noticing is that, you know, I've been feeling, you know, maybe in, in the morning during my prospecting sessions or in other customer interaction, I've been having this sort of feeling that has been creeping into my conversation. So uh, I'm bringing this up because I do see this as a, something that is affecting to an extent my performance. I do recognize it to the level that was before. So I wanted to have this conversation with you to explore, you know, what can we do together to try and help me out and in, in this situation and work through this, you know? So I think it's, um, I'll stop there for a moment. So that's a way my, perhaps the way, I was, the way I would start the conversation. Again, analyze, for me, it's about analyzing what I've been doing so far uh, and what has been working well for me that has enabled me to do my best job. And then something that you are noticing emotionally for yourself. And again, that comes emotional literacy in terms of being able to express your emotions. But it's more of, as you can see, it's more about I've been noticing or I've experienced. I'm not suggesting in any way, oh, you know, because of that or because of this, this is causing me this, you know, it's, you know, there is no victimism in that. There is no blaming in that. There is a simply stating what is and then inviting uh, a thought on the other side, right? Uh, from that point, generally, that kind of conversation will normally be pro- productive as long as you keep it neutral, right? And then you adapt to the, to the manager on the other side. Again, having said that, I want to also highlight, Ravi, I'm not uh, the emotional part of being able to be vulnerable and emotionally open as well is something that is probably one of the areas that I've had to work. I still work very hard on, you know, through therapy, through other things to try and really become more in touch with this emotion because as being an individual is very driven, very ambitious. Often we tend to, I tend to, you know, let's say move away from the emotion and just focus on, you know, on the, on the getting stuff done and things like that, which is good. But at the same time, you know, you might neglect some things. So uh, in the first place, I want to, you know, say to everyone listening as well, it's something that I've been working hard on and it's particularly hard on in the aspect of, you know, being assertive around your needs emotionally, right? We, we can be assertive about all sorts of things, you know, it can be, I don't know, promotion or can be even like in, in selling. But the question is that to what extent you're able to be assertive around your emotional needs in a way that though is, again, very mature and, and, and productive. So coming back to that is about coming in, stating, you know, what has been going on over the, the period you've been in the organization and what have you been noticing lately in terms of some changes and perhaps highlighting that. You've also noticed when in the, we are in that meeting and we have that meeting one-to-one, there is these things that causes me to feel this way. And I, and I think is the reason for that is because, you know, uh, I can notice that a sort of, that sort of attitude and that causes me a response, which is not really, is a negative response for me. So perhaps I want to explore that with you and see what, what might be going on. And also would be love to hear as well your thoughts in how as be, uh, you have been feeling as well of the situation. Even if, if we are under pressure, you know, what has been going through for you? You know, I stop there again. It's about, you know, inviting that openness on the other side. And often I believe that a leader or a manager should lead the conversation from a vulnerability standpoint. They should be the first to be vulnerable so that the people can do the same. However, if that's not happening there, you might have to do the hard work, you know, in, in that kind of situation and, and go for it. 
What I really love about what you mentioned is you never said you made me feel this, you've done this, you've done that. It's a very open dialogue and it stimulates a conversation, not an argument. So I love that, brother. And one thing I want to also acknowledge you for is you mentioned earlier, hey, I grew up in southern Italy where there was a lot of stigma around mental health. So I'm actually thinking there must have been so much inner turmoil for you to actually be assertive and communicate your thoughts and emotions and then there must have been so much inner work deep inner work which must have happened to reframe the narrative internally to be able to do this effectively so dude kudos to you man because that stuff is hard so dude kudos to you man kudos to you so in today's environment how do you define mindful selling like what does it mean it's become a little bit of a buzzword so what does it mean to you so essentially i think mindfulness is all about strengthening your presence and what i call by presence is your ability to be there with the thing that is in front of you right so mindful selling essentially if we're you know to really simplify is your ability to be there in the conversation from start to finish. And that presence, the strongest is the stronger is that presence in the conversation, the stronger the other person will feel potentially hurt, will feel listened to, uh, will feel that you are there with them in the room. Right. And there is no hidden agenda as well, because you're very aware as of your internal dialogue. Because there is in mindful selling, there is the awareness of the, the person that is speaking, you know, and you're listening to them and you're listening to their needs, but it's also the awareness of your own internal dialogue as the person speaks to you. And therefore, you know, with mindful selling, you are much able to control and manage some impulses you might have in the conversation that might actually gain the way of a good flow in that conversation. Because we all know that as soon as a person understands or feels that there is some hidden agenda there that you're bringing into a conversation or forcing into the conversation, that generally is detrimental to the interaction, right? Uh, so yeah, so by strengthening that presence, selling mindfulness allows us to accelerate the way in which we can build that relationship, really understand things for what they are and not bringing in our opinion in there, really understanding things for what they are. And then once you know how things are, you can work with that, right? Because And you're, not, you're lim- also minimizing some of the biases as well you could have in a conversation, right? And that can apply in, any, in a lot of things at work as well. Sales kickoff season is coming, people, and I love it, man. I love it because it's such an exciting time as a speaker. But for enablement professionals and revenue leaders, well, it can be kind of stressful, you know, and having delivered storytelling keynotes and workshops for revenue teams like NetSuite, Crunchbase, and AB Tasty, I know it's not just about motivation and inspiration, but also about finding the right speaker who can educate your audience and spark a long lasting shift in behavior. So, hey, if you are thinking about storytelling as a theme for kicking off your new fiscal year, then head on down to www.theravirajani.com forward slash speaking to check out my speaker reel. Take a look at some of my topics and some customer stories to see if there's a fit. And if there is, then you can scroll down to the bottom and book an alignment call with me directly. All right, let's get back to the show. You mentioned the word impulses. 
you know, given you're basically an internal sales coach over at GoCardless, you probably listen to a lot of different calls and hear a lot of impulses creeping in. What are the top three impulses that you see which sabotages a relationship early on? Uh, yeah, absolutely. So I think, uh, well, number one, I think we all know that. And I think I'm sure, you know, you speak a lot about that uh, as well. Uh, I think it's uh, one of the, the main impulses you might see, um, you know, salespeople might have is always about as long as soon as they've heard something that fails, is aligned to what we do, let's say I go colors or whatever, they might jump in uh, into that mode of, you know, can be pitch mode, can be, you know, explaining mode or whatever it may be, right? So that's the number one inputs that you will have, right? Because you feel like, oh God, you know, you know, you're in your head, it goes like, oh yes. You know, they have that kind of feeling or maybe you have a little bit of dopamine comes in because you feel like, oh yes, I, you know, this person may be aligned to me. So that's num number one. And definitely that can get in the way of, of, of the conversation. Uh, number two is, is more like, more than inputs, it's more like a lack of uh, adaptability to the conversation. You might notice uh, during the conversation that, someone is of a certain type of individual like they are really you know they might be like okay, some people like to have a chit chat whatever other people don't like that they want to go straight to it so forcing certain i don't know people which might be spending too much on, on small talk or vice versa not going with the small talk if the person really likes to talk a lot right go with it right so is that it, people might be a bit too rigid in the sense oh i know what i need to do this is my process just go with it right and again, if you're not very present and, you know, your presence is not strong, you might not notice that on the other side. So I think that's also very important. It's more about on the adaptability front. Again, I mean, a third one is very hard because there might be some yeah, different, different examples, but it's about making also on, on the assumption side, which may be you might have some assumption and you might ask questions with, buy into the assumptions. So the, the questions are actually reflecting those assumptions. And then when you're doing that, what happens is that the person will realize that there are certain assumptions, it might be completely the wrong assumption about their business, whatever it may be. So I think also in these cases, it's very important to uh, be as neutral as you can and, you know, and be aware of you might have the assumption, it's there, right? But it's about, again, internal dialogue. How do I am aware of, of that and how I understand where the other person is at? And do I have enough information to be able to, to, do, to, make, you know, to make that comment, to make that, you know, ask that question? So it's about, you know, again, that comes down to your awareness of your internal dialogue, but at the same time, the awareness of what has been going on for the other person on the other side. So these are some of three, three examples I, I can see. I'm making, you know, I'm not going too much into the, the detail of them, but I think hopefully, you know, kind of give a description of uh, a bit of that. You mentioned internal dialogue, and I think that's fascinating because I don't know about you, but for example, if I haven't had a mindful morning, I can notice my internal dialogue and noise and chatter is a lot louder when I'm on a sales call or talking to a prospect than if I've had an effective morning or started my morning the right way is probably a better way to put it. For you, you speak a lot about presence, meaning having a certain presence and being present on a call, but often internal dialogue can get in the way. What is one thing a seller can do to reduce and acknowledge the internal dialogue before they hop onto a call? Well, I think uh, ultimately, uh, first of all, if you're the best tip, you know, if you're really looking for a very specific one, I think before ever entering a call, 
spending those two to three minutes even like to recenter, uh, I think is a, is a very important thing. There are lots of interesting things you can do. It does, it can be like sitting down, you know, and normally uh, meditate and setting the intention for the call. Uh, that can be a good, a good one. It can be anything from, you know, really, I mean, when it comes to presence, I guess the way you recall, regain that presence is through understanding what's my object or focus that I want to come back to. Normally, for most people, you know, the breath works really well. So, you know, the idea is that I need to catch my breath whenever I'm realizing, you know, every now and then I want to, you know, fo- focus on my breath, feel my body. In the moment I'm feeling my body, I'm there. I brought myself back in. And when you're doing the exercise before, that's that's the aim, right? The aim is to be feeling the body, feeling the breath, feeling how you're feeling before that call. That's a useful information. Uh, I think that's the best thing you can do to recenter. And I think a lot of people, you know, do you might do it before, you know, a speech or something or a way to find, you know, recenter yourself. And I'll stop there in terms of if you're asking more from uh, when what you're doing before. Now, when you the problem is though, the actual real problem though is when you're actually in the call. And everyone, I always say this, everyone is very good at looking at things in retrospect. And everyone is very good at saying, you know what? Oh, in that moment, I could have done this better. And now generally, some people might take that forward and of course, use it as a learning for the future. Fair enough. However, most of the people, are, they say to be aware, but the reality is that they think, okay, in retrospect, you know, I'm aware because I've realized that I've done something that was, wasn't appropriate or it wasn't as effective there. But the question is that the actual change, the actual choice happens in the present moment all the time. So it's about being aware of the, let's say, whatever has been the intention, impulse or thoughts before has caused the behavior. Now, to be able to do that, it requires a lot of what I call conscious power, right? Conscious power. So the practice of whatever it may be, meditation, it might be some form of mindfulness, it might be, you know, okay, they can take a lot of forms done consistently. The aim of that is to have higher conscious power. Higher conscious power means that we can attend to the present moment more readily, more often. And by doing that, we can strengthen a lot of our, uh, a lot of our, you know, a lot of, I would say, qualities. One of these qualities is what I call introspective awareness. And that's why I talk about internal dialogue. So, Introspective awareness essentially is your ability to become aware of your own voice, of your own internal dialogue, right? And also your emotions. Then you have, peri- you have peripheral awareness instead, which is more about the environment. And it's about even like the person is talking and the sounds I can hear around me and, you know, all sorts of external stimuli that I'm having. So there is always that. And most of us are very good with the peripheral awareness often, you know, because we are used, you know, it's more... In a way, you know, peripheral awareness has also some survival reason for that because, you know, we want to be, if something's going on, there's a, a, you know, a very sudden noise, so we want to be alert so that in case we, we can escape from the situation, whatever it may be happening. But the introspective awareness is something that unless you cultivate that, unless you train yourself on that, you, you know, it's going to be very, very limited. You know, if you take an individual that doesn't do any practice whatsoever or doesn't take the time to slow down and really recenter and someone that uh, is practicing that quite often. So I'm very interested in what, what the work I do, apart from the, ju- the general practice of, you know, mindfulness meditation is about this idea of like learning more about our inner voice and all the traits and characteristics it does. So we can learn to label it and detach ourselves from it when we need to, depending on the context we are in. You know what I find very interesting about what you labeled as the inner voice? Let's take a scenario. Let's say James 
is not performing from a pure numbers perspective, not performing right now. He's just been berated by his manager on his sales performance. He then hops onto a call and his inner voice feels like he wants to interrupt the conversation and usher it along because he's just thinking about the outcome of closing that deal. Maybe it's ego coming through. Maybe it's another voice, whatever it could be. But I suppose the question here is, is how can a human being and a, or a seller really identify that their inner voice is truly their authentic self or ego speaking or another part of them, which is protecting them from experiencing pain because i think what i'm trying to allude to here is the idea of the inner family system the ifs and really just figure out how can somebody go ah no that's my ego talking bah, smack it away oh oh actually this is this talking you know i don't know i don't know uh if you feel my question but i think you do because you're nodding your head right so first of all what i found very interesting is this concept of how do you distinguish judgment from discernment okay so now we do have like what I call like, one of the biggest ego, uh, I would say characteristic, it is the kind of uh, character of the judge. We all of us have a judge. And the judge, when we talk about judgment or self-judgment, is that form of, uh, and what do we call it? I mean, you could call it ego, is any voice that will cause you to feel some form of uh, unhelpful or negative emotion. So I'll give an example. Let's say, for example, you know, I've had, you know, a bad day. You know, things have not, as a fact, things have not gone my way, you know, during the day. Or I've had a bad conversation with my manager, for example, a difficult conversation. So now what might happen for people is that voice in their head says, you know what, you know, that's it. You know, you're not doing enough. You know, you're not being good enough or you, uh, you should have done this. You should have done that, you know, and, uh, you know, you're always, or maybe even worse, it can be like somebody say, you idiots, you know, all this kind of voice. You can see there is that sort of dynamic where the person is being attacked it's assuming you as a person, you're being attacked, you know, that is being hard, you know, very being hard. There is that self-blame, there is that guilt. All of these low level vibration emotion are coming from the judge. Now, how they distinguish from discernment? Discernment comes from a different place. It's a place of more like self-compassion, it's a place of uh, self-empathy, let's put it this way. And in that case, it will be more, more like of the sorts of things like, oh, you know, Federico today has been, you know, hasn't gone my way, you know, this has happened, this has happened. I've noticed I've reacted this way in the situation. Maybe it wasn't the most helpful thing. So let me sit down for a moment and maybe let me try and figure out, you know, what, what I could do better next time. Now, you see, there is a very different, uh, I would say, tone. So with the first thing that we use to distinguish whether it is, you know, that voice that is not really helping us and getting in the way is the tone. If the tone is a tone of being hard, being harsh, being very, you know, of that sort of blame and guilt and comes with some form of negative emotion, you already know that that's your judge, let's say. And the judge is generally that kind of character in your head that judges yourself, the situation or another person in a way that is negative. So you might talk to yourself in a negative way. You might catastrophize the context and situation. That's your judge as well. Or you might actually also judge in a negative way another person, right? in response perhaps to their judge, because that's when it gets interesting as well. If something is uh, taken over by this judge and might say something to you, make a comment, that can actually very easily trigger your own judge and that generates another comment. 
right? And that's where there is like judges are being triggered from, from it to each other. So this is an example. But then there are loads of other, so this is an example of a judgment from discernment. So that's how I tend to distinguish between that part taking over or my objective, kind of more objective way of looking at things, but what I call, you can call it the sage. I like, you know, I found in some, in some areas, they call it this way. You have one side, which is called the saboteur, is all of these characters we have in our head that get in the way of what we're trying to do. And then the other side is the sage. So the sage is, a, is instead the wise person with the wise character we are within that we can cultivate and generally looks at things as they are. It's not adding any layer on that. I'm looking at things as they are and then using that information to move on from that. Uh, the judge is often then accompanied by other characters. You know, I call them, you know, you might have like uh, some people are hyper vigilant. They're very vigilant, you know, as though something's going to go wrong. Although, you know, it might be in a deal. It might be like, oh, this is not, something's going to go wrong last minute. I'm a very, you know, they're very anxious generally. Some people might be hyper rational. And this is something, for example, I have to work on when you're not able actually to externalize your emotions. You're extremely rational, rationalizing everything and completely denying and leaving you know, the emotion out there. What that does in sales, for example, impacts in the way that you can't connect with your customers, you can't connect with your colleagues because you're hyper rational. Then there is also like uh, uh, some other example of, uh, you know, kind of voices. It might be uh, the stickler. You might be overly perfectionist. There is that voice in your head as well that de demands a certain level of, you know, perfectionism. Or there is also the hyperachiever, right? This is very common in sales. Hyperachiever in a sense like the lie is in this case is that I have to achieve X before I feel this way or before I'm happy or whatever. That's the lie. And therefore you drive it, you really work really hard, but you are neglecting other areas. People think that unless they are hyperachiever, I'm not going to achieve my goal. That's not true because that comes down then to the aspect of outcome detachment that is spoken a lot in sales. All that is, is that recognizing when there is that voice, there is it kind of is the hyperachiever in this case. You can actually label that way once you understand it. It's like, oh, you know, my hyperachiever is talking right now. You know, then you come back to the present, you realize, okay, what I'm trying to do here? What's, what's the thing I'm doing? You know, I'm focused on my process. I'm not going to execute at the best of my abilities. We'll see what happens after that. That's how you bring yourself to that detachment. Detachment simply comes from this place of you reconnecting with the presence, you reconnecting with the activity at hand and executing the activity. You will have another activity. You do the same. Generally, hyperachievement brings with it a lot of stress. You know, and again, that is telling you that there is negative emotion there. It's telling you that probably it's coming from the saboteur side. And there is a lie that, of course, for a for, for certain period of time, we can achieve our goals. We're going to be the best. But we're going to, that comes with a price that you pay for it. Instead, I'm a big believer in this idea of like what we call it the sage, where you have this quality of being able to notice what is, notice things as they are, uh, notice your inner dialogue, notice your emotion. And then refocusing on the task at hand. You know, you're always doing that exercise of checking in with yourself, refocus on the task at hand, execute the task, move on to the next thing, you know, and you enjoy the process more with that. But it's, it's you know, it's easy, it's easy said, difficult to be done, right? But hopefully I can, can give you so, a, a sort of an overall idea of what I believe to, uh, to be the, you know, these uh, characters. I, I, I call it characters. The more you understand the characters that are more prominent, in your head, the more you're able to notice them and label them when they appear. Well, as soon as you've labeled them, what you will notice is a, a bit like you are, it's a bit like when you're, you know, you're, you know, bubbles, you know, crushing them, you know, as soon as you see them, they disappear. 
because you've seen them. Don't know, they like to play in the unconscious, like not being aware. That's when then the more introspective awareness I have, the more I'm able to notice them early on, the faster I label them, the faster I reconnect to the present moment. Right. So that's that's the the idea. Mm, man, I'd love to do a round two with you on that because I think we could go deep. I think we could go real deep on that. But dude, I appreciate your time. Ladies and gents, that is Federico Presici. Now, listen, man, what I'm curious to know is you're a great storyteller. You know, if you just look at your about section on LinkedIn and the way you communicate in your content, it really shows that you've you've taken some time to really understand storytelling and harness the power of it and effective communication. So for you, when it comes to influential communicators that you look up to today, given the show is called The Influential Communicator, who is that individual? Uh, okay, uh, that's a good question. I think I've, lo- I've always loved uh, speakers you know, that are really effective with storytelling. I think one of the most powerful stories that I've heard, and I think it was a few years back, there is this... Uh, I think it's very famous. It's a personal, uh, yeah, it's just in the personal development space and it's called Brandon Bouchard. You know, probably you might, you might have heard of him. And he's, uh, I love that story he tells around, you know, when he had the accident with his car and how that turned and changed his life. And he's so good at creating that emotional roller coaster, right? That you're feeling, you're feeling happy, you're feeling sad, you know, then you go up again, you know, that is a sort of, so I think these are very, I really somebody I look up to and definitely watch a lot of his video to understand as well how he leveraged that power of storytelling. Love it, man. Love it. I haven't absorbed as much of his content as I'd like to, but the stuff I've seen, he's an impactful dude. And the great thing is, is he hangs around some very impactful people as well, right? But ladies and gents, if you want to learn more about Federico, the question you're probably thinking is, where do I go? Where do I go? So Federico, where do people go to learn more about you? Sure. Um, at the moment, it's my LinkedIn profile, but very soon, I mean, this is kind of comes timely. I think I'm, uh, I will have a web, a proper website being soon. So it will be on federicoprasicci.com. Uh, very simple. My name, surname, uh, .com. Uh, so that's where you catch me. And probably, hopefully you will, so there will be a newsletter coming soon too. So yeah, we'll see. There we have it, ladies and gents. There we have it. So listen, I hope you enjoyed the show and I'll see you next week, same time. Same place for another episode of The Influential Communicator. Peace. I have a question for you, my friend. And that question is, is what would it take to have you subscribe to The Influential Communicator podcast and leave us a review on your podcast platform of choice because i tell you what my friend my big mission is to help b2b sellers and all listeners of this show sell more by becoming influential storytellers and communicators without without suppressing their personality and disowning their value so hey the more the word gets out about this podcast the more people we can gather on this mission so if you could support me then hey that would be dope and if not that's dope too either way i got love for you all right i'll see you on the other side